Good morning. <laughs> Sorry about that. Confusing everybody, including myself. It's wonderful. It's actually a bit strange to be here. I was thinking as I sat there, in, in Nehemiah, well, in Ezra, but Nehemiah records it, Ezra stood on a high place when he taught the word. So I'm feeling a bit like Ezra, <laughs> talking from a high place. Um, yeah, but I come with a heart that is pr privileged and excited and joyful that I get to share God's word. What a, what a privilege to be able to do that. Do you remember what happened last week? Last week, Glennon preached from John about the four essential ingredients or four ingredients, four ways to live radically in 2023. Remember, they were to be humble, to know who God's called you to be, to know what God says about you, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure we were all encouraged, spurred on, you know, yes, I'm going to live a radical life for Jesus. And then Monday came, hey. <laughs> oh, did we ever preach on Sunday? What was it about? Mine was a hard week. I don't mind saying it was a, it's always good, but it was hard. Friday, I just thought, I am exhausted, <laughs> absolutely exhausted. And I felt challenged on every level. And this week, someone said to me, they just feel like they've taken last year's battles and they just carried over into this year. And Ter alluded to that when he was sharing with us from Psalm 16. And life is a war. It is. If when you read scripture, the words are battle, fight, um, put on your armor. Why? Because we are in a war. Now, your, our war might be economic. Our war might be world turbulence. Our war, our war might be things that you know, get us, that keep us up at night or worry us. They can be very personal as well. They can be interpersonal relationships. They can be sickness or death. And it's a battle. Yes, it's a battle. Jesus says things like, don't worry, I have overcome the world. He says, be strong. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says all those things. So we know what the word says, it is real. And we know our response. And I believe, I felt to share with us today that undergirding everything, be joyful, strong, is faith. Faith. And I'm calling it an essential ingredient of a radical life. And I have to ask us, how is your faith? How is your faith? And are we, are we investing in faith? And I want to unpack that a little bit. And I'm going to use two scriptures. But my first scripture is from 1 Peter. Uh, it'll be up on the screen, so you don't have to turn there, but you're welcome to join me. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, gosh, I associate with that man, often putting his foot in his mouth. And my husband kicks me. <laughs> Well, I walk away, he's not there, and I think, oh, I need a tear to remind me to keep my mouth shut sometimes. And he, he always said the wrong thing. He always rushed in. He denied Jesus eventually. Then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, 
preaches on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 are saved. He dies for his faith. He writes the letters of Peter, and just radically transformed by God. And he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a long sentence. (laughs) Essentially, he's saying, if you're born again, right? If you're not born again, you need this. Otherwise, you do not have a living hope. But we who are born again, who, have, who are sold out for Jesus, who have given our all for Jesus, we have an inheritance one day that is imperishable. Load shedding will not affect it. The economic downturn will not affect it. It is guarded, guarded by the power of God. It is sure, 100%. Then he talks about, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. Now, I think what I have to highlight here, which we need to understand in Scripture, is that there are two types of faith. There's what what is often called, I call, saving faith. What he refers to in that long sentence, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've believed, if you've given him the lordship of your life, believe that he died for you and there was nothing you could do about it, in terms of your sin, that only Jesus and accepting him. If you've done that, you have faith. God has given you faith. You are born again. You have saving faith. But then he goes on about the fire and all this stuff and trials. Is he testing our saving faith? No. There is another faith, which I call achieving faith. And achieving faith, listen carefully, enables us to Accomplish things on the way to heaven. And that's why I need that achieving faith stronger and stronger to live the radical life. If I don't have, if I don't work at it, if I don't nurture it, I might just get to heaven, you know, I get to heaven, I'm born again, I'm saved, but you know, they say, the word says, by the tips of your fingers, I'm here. <laughs> by the skin of our teeth, I think the word actually says. This portion of Scripture says that one way that our faith, 
hear me, one way is by trials. And it says for a little while. You know, if you're in a trial today, and whether it's a big trial or a baby trial, and you're just in this trial for this hour and this person hasn't called or whatever it is, it doesn't feel short, does it? <laughs> it feels endless. Is this ever going to end? Are things ever going to change? But in the light of eternity, it is for a little while. God says that, and we need to take courage in that. It really is a little while. And that saving faith is guarded. It's guarded by whom? Jesus Christ. He gave his life that I might be with him one day. And it's guarded. No matter what happens to me, what trial, etc., etc., my faith is guarded. But we need to work at our achieving faith. As I said, one way is trials, but thank God there are other ways. And I often say to God, please, can I learn the easy way? I don't want to learn the hard way. But we're stubborn, eh? We are really so. Well, I'm stubborn. Maybe you're not stubborn. But we don't want to learn. We want to just go along in our usual way because it's easier. It's more convenient, etc. I've had, we've had our share of trials. And as I was preparing this, the, the, what, I thought, what should I share? And the one I wanted to share is this one. We were married in 1984. I know many of you weren't even born, thought of, but it's okay. We were born, I was born, no, I was married in 1984. And we lived in Durban. 1987, we felt, okay, we are ready to have children. You, I was 26. You know, you just have children. What's the problem? Uh, we did all that we needed to do, and nothing happened. In the first few months, you think, oh, well, this happens to everyone. And this is my story here, and I know some people will have even longer. But after a while, six months, I began to think, why am I not falling pregnant? And every time the time of the month came, I was gutted. I'm not pregnant. Okay. 1988, we moved to Joburg. It felt like everyone of our age, everyone in the new church that we were joined had babies or were pregnant or were dedicating their children. It was hard going to church. It felt like it was being rubbed in. Yeah, yeah, we haven't got any kids. I went to a ladies' meeting and Jean Guthrie was there. I don't know if you know Jean, of Jean Guthrie anymore, but she's a lady speaker, still around. She has a makeup house, but she spoke. And I just went up for prayer. And she shared with me, she said, Lainey, you need to build your faith. And what she suggested I do is I go and read in the Word and study all the women who were barren. And there's lots. There are lots. Rachel, Elizabeth, Sarah, and, you know, there's lots of them. It's actually amazing how many women were barren. And many of them waited decades almost, long time. Elizabeth and Sarah were both old women by the time they fell pregnant. And I started praying that, and in August 1988, I fell pregnant. It was like, wow. We just started going, well, I'd, we'd start going to a gynae who does that sort of thing. It's far more developed now, but, you know, who helps you with infertility. And I told him, I'm pregnant. And he said, the Jewish man, he says, oh, the big man upstairs obviously has different ideas for you. Because it wasn't possible for us to fall pregnant. Highly, 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 highly unlikely. October 1st, 1988, I started bleeding. 
Tear was away at the time. He was on elsewhere. I was, God, you've given us a child, and now you're taking it away. How can you be good? How can you love me? I wasn't hospitalized, and that night um, cried myself to sleep. The next morning when I woke up, it was a letter in an envelope next to my bed. It had a clinic, Park Lane Clinic uh, letterhead. It was handwritten. It was dated and, num- and timed at the top, and it said uh, 2nd of October, 1988, 3.30 a.m. So I read it. It was just to you, this ch- to you, a child of God, and it was all scripture, but beautifully written, not quoted, but into a letter saying, for now your trials are hard, but God, trust God, have faith, trust in him, all the way through, two pages. If you ever want to read it, I'll bring it. I've still got my letter. I still have it today. Right at the end, it said, with love, you know, keep going, be strong, be full of faith. God is there, a loving friend in Jesus. I don't know who wrote that letter. I never met the person who took time at 3.30 in the morning probably a nurse on duty, I guess, who hadn't spoken to and who wasn't there in the morning, who took time to build my faith and to love on me. September 1989, a son was born to us. June 1991, a daughter. Miraculous children, gifts of God. How do we stir our daily faith? So now I'm going to go to Romans. I like Romans. Yo, it's a hectic book. It's complicated. But when you unpack it and read it, which you know we're doing in the ladies' Bible study, it has so many fundamental gems. And today I want to go to Romans 4, which is all about faith. And I'm going to read from Romans 4, written by Paul, this letter, 17 to 22. And it says, As it is written, I have made you, Paul's talking about Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope. He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old. You know, what's 100 years here or there? Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
So I'm going to share with us. I'd love you to write these down. Challenge yourself through this year. Seven practical ways to stir our faith. We need this, guys. <laughs> and then we'll forget. I know. Number one, faith takes place in the presence of God. Verse 17 says, in the presence of God in whom he believed. Now, I know God is everywhere. He is. He is omnipresent. When we're born again, there is a more manifest presence because he comes and lives inside us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that happens, as Glennon says, should happen, want to happen, please, Jesus, more and more and more, again and again and again, there's a more awareness of the Holy Spirit. But as also as Glendon spoke about, remember he spoke about hearing God, he said, we need to take time to listen. How's your intimate time with Jesus? I'm too busy. Can't do that. We need intimate time with Jesus. No cell phone. No social media, just you, all of you, God. We need it. Guys, and whether you take one minute or five minutes, whenever during the day you do it, do it. It's so easy to get involved. I found... I went to Pretoria first Sunday, Monday, Tuesday last week, and I had to leave. I had to be in Pretoria at half past seven. Have you seen the traffic on a Monday? It's six o'clock in the morning. It's madness. Anyway, <laughs> I had to leave early. So I had to get up earlier to ensure that I had some quiet time with my Lord. We have to make a plan. We have to. I, I urge you. And then, that's your individual presence, which is vital. Then this. This is, here we experience the corporate presence of God. It is unique. I promise you, you cannot experience the corporate presence of God in front of a screen while I'm just downloading. I'm just streaming. You cannot experience the corporate presence of God. I'm sorry. Because he wants us here each contributing, each bringing our gift, as Glennon spoke last week about know who God's called you to be. We need to be here. So I'm urging you, and life group. I haven't got time for life group. You don't have time not to be in life group. Have you seen what's going on in our world? You have not got time to miss out. Number one. Take, faith takes place in the presence of God. Number two, believe what God says. It says, Abraham believed what God said. Now I have to ask you, do you know what God says? Do you know? Do you rely on these little one-liners? You know, I get this, I get a verse of the day every day. What's the context of that verse? Who's God speaking to? Why is he speaking to? What's going on? 
Do we know what the word of God says? We all want what I call the, the, the secret will of God. Oh, God, can you just send me a prophecy? Can you just write in the sky? Can you this, this, this? We want that, but we're not prepared to spend time in the revealed will of God. We rely on the sermon. Oh, I've never read Romans. We rely on podcasts. <laughs> Not just there is some merit in podcasts, but we're not getting into it for ourselves. We need to read the word. And you can use any medium to read the word. So many. But read the word. God, what are you saying to me today? We need to meditate on the word. I was talking to one of my students this week, and he says he meditates. I thought, what do you meditate on? It was a little bit of a answer, so there's somebody I've noted, and I will speak to him as time goes on. <laughs> but we need to study the word. Now, there, study. I am so grateful for the history I've had, but I've had, thank God, opportunity to study the word. And as you know, I've been doing a ladies' Bible study, or maybe you don't know, I do a ladies' Bible study on a Thursday morning. Chatted with the elders, and I said, and I said, I feel like I need to open it wider. Not just to ladies, but also to men. Because we all need to study the word. So we debated because we know what it's like, time. So, guys, hear me. Once a month, you can do this, hey? Once a month, for two hours on a Sunday. About the third Sunday, we move them around a bit. The first one is the 19th of February. We are starting a Bible study in church after the service, and you are all welcome. I've got a clipboard down there at the front. If you're interested, please put your name down in your email. Very, very important. What would you like to do? <laughs> There's so much we could do. Wow. We could do any book of the Bible. We could do what I call the doctrines or theology of the Bible. So what does God say? Everything about creation, everything about Jesus, everything about the Holy Spirit. We could do a survey of the New Testament. We could do a survey of the Old Testament. Praise God, I have studied a lot of it. Keen, I hope. Let's start studying the Word of God. Let's commit. Okay, There's just such a wealth when you study. God brings so much more. He does. It's like anything, hey. We can know a little bit of science, but if we go and study science, wow! Same with the Word of God. That's number two. Believe what God says for us. Know what He says, and then believe it. But now, these ones. Believe in resurrection. Notice I don't say the resurrection. I'm not even talking about do we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Of course. You're born again and you don't believe that, you need to talk to me urgently. But we believe in resurrection. What does that mean? Abraham believed in resurrection. It says in verse 19 of our text, he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Dead. And then, when it comes to Isaac's born, and God says to him, Sacrifice him to me. That's hectic, eh? 
But he does it. Well, he goes right up to the last minute. Hebrews gives us some insight into that. In Hebrews 11, 18 and 19, it says, Of whom it was said, again speaking of Abraham, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back because he went all the way. What is dead in your life? Was alive, was there, but it's dead. May Holy Spirit right now remind you of something, and you've just put it aside. It's dead. That emotion, that energy, that whatever it is. Do you, we believe, do we believe in resurrection? God, obviously, resurrecting, not us, because we can't. It's dead. Fourthly, believe God in his role as creator. Verse 17 of our text says, who gives life to the dead, so there's the, the resurrection, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. I'm not talking about something that's dead. I'm talking about something, well, I never, X, Y, Z. It's not me. I'm never going to share my faith. I'm far too shy and da 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 Doesn't exist in me. Do we believe in the God who can create something from nothing? That's what he did when he created the world. He also says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 through Paul, For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is dark in your life? What needs light? He brings light. He brings light where there is darkness. He brings life where there is dead. Fifthly, this is a tough one, but embrace hopeless situations. <laughs> embrace them. No, I'm going to run away a mile from those. <laughs> Faith takes place in hopeless situations. It does. It says that, that verse 18, it's a beautiful verse. In hope, he believed against hope. It was hopeless. God and Abraham and Sarah between them tried all sorts of other solutions because this is hopeless. And it didn't happen for a long time. What I'm going to say, I don't want to say any more on that except what is, what do you say? Oh, it's hopeless. It's just hopeless. That person in my life's never going to get saved. Embrace the hopeless situation. Bring God in. Believe him. And then for me, a very important one, because I think there's such a lot of misunderstanding amongst Christians and, and non-Christians. Faith is not pie in the sky. Oh, you stupid Christian. You believe that, 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 that. It's not pie in the sky. It really isn't. 
Think about what Abraham did. He looked at the, he, it says he considered his own body. That means he gave it good thought. I'm old, Sarah's barren. I'm looking at the facts. We do not, when we faith, we, we are realistic. We say, these are the facts. We should say. We don't pretend, oh, how are you? I could stand up here and say, oh, how, my week was wonderful. Yay, it was. That's not true. It was a hard week. I must acknowledge it. And with respect, my, this person is going to live, or you know, they, they're not going to die. Embrace the facts. Do we still believe God in the hopeless situation? Yes, but we have to acknowledge the fact. And we have to be real, especially for non-Christians. You know how much disbelief we cause when what we say God says and then it doesn't happen? We are causing disbelief, not God. It's a scary balance. I had a friend who died from MND. He went, There's no solution. There is no remedy to, to MND. He walked this incredible tightrope of believing every day that God could heal him, but dealing with the reality of his degradation. To the moment he took his last breath, he was living in that space hard, but we can do it by the Holy Spirit in the power of God. But stop faking it, Christians. How are you today? Wonderful, praise God, hallelujah. Oh gosh, if anyone knew what I'd done this week. Stop faking it. Don't go telling the world, but you have a life group. You should have an accountable person. Be real, please. We have a world desperate for Jesus, and we've got to become faith-filled, realistic people who look at the facts, name the facts, but we're not intimidated by the facts. We are not intimidated. We stand up and say, our God is strong. Our God is good. His word tells me. I might not be happening what I think should be happening, but God is on the throne. God is good. He is the conqueror. When we look at the facts now, there's often stuff in our lives that we need to do but we don't want to do them. We just want God to fix it. Just somehow fix it now. And I just brought up a few of them. I don't know what, you know, as I say these, maybe God will highlight one in your life. Our purity. What are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we allowing our kids to listen to? It's hectic out there. It's so difficult to find anything on Netflix that is pure. Have you watched The Chosen? Beautiful series. Not on Netflix, but beautiful series. Easy to watch. Oh! <laughs> cool. Watch The Chosen. But guys, what are you watching? Oh, it doesn't really matter. You know what? I'm mature and, you know, I can deal with it and I know what it means and I know how to process it. Face the facts. Keep your mind pure. How are you dressing? How are you speaking? 
Well, I'm not in church now. Dirty joke. <laughs> and then I'm going to repeat it. Purity. In this world, they'll think we're nuts. We are. We are not of this world. We are faith-filled people who revel and want to live radical lives for Jesus. Speech. Oh, did you see what Candace did this week? Just come and ask me and I'll tell you. <laughs> she didn't do anything. <laughs> Guys, are we gossiping? Attitudes. Well, here I am standing up here and I know it all. You know, phew, you're so lucky to have me today. With you, sinners. <laughs> are we judgmental? Are we critical? Get off our high horses. As, as Lennon said last week, be humble. We are nothing without Jesus. Well, I know I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm a horrible, selfish, loudmouth, task oriented woman. Thank God for Jesus. Our parenting. You, hardly any of you came to the parenting cooking course. So all I can assume is you're all wonderful Christian parents. Know exactly what to do with multimedia. Know exactly what to do in every situation because you've got it sorted. Are we raising our children in godly ways? Raise up a child in the way that he will go and he will not depart from it. But I have soccer and I have netball and I have canoeing and I have... Riding. Can't come to church on a Sunday. We teach our kids to make choices. We, parents, teach our kids what choices to make. What's important and what's not important. Our son was a brilliant soccer player. Played for a club, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Got to the age of 13. Matches were on a Sunday morning. We had to tell our 13-year-old budding soccer player, can't play matches anymore. And if you can't play matches, they don't really want you in the club. Praise God, and not through anything else, but God, Sean still serves Jesus with all his heart today. Praise God, 33 years old now. Tough. My daughter once told me, you just want me to be a nun. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Last one of what we can do. Are you caring for your body? Are you exercising? We're supposed to. Are you eating right? Drinking right? Resting right? I'm not very good on that last one. Trying. Guys, we want God, and he does move, and he is a faithful God, and he wants to act, but sometimes he's going to say, I've told you what to do. And we just, you know, we'll just ignore that, God. Just, you know, help me out here. But he also does that too, hey? Just let, never limit God. But let's take responsibility for our radical lives. Do what we can do, and goodness me, there's a lot we can't do. Thank God he is God. So there you go, guys. Well, sorry, one more. Seven. I didn't give you number seven. Faith grows when we give glory to God. I had a hard week, but I said, and I meant it, but God is good. He is good. 
Romans 4, 20, 21 said, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Let's glorify God for everything. I mean, guys, he gives us everything. This lack of job, this lack of brain, these beautiful kids. He is the one who gives it. This beautiful country we live in, these beautiful days. And I mean, have you ever seen such a blue sky? Give glory to God. There's so much to thank him for. So, so much. There you go. Seven, let's think of them. We need to be in the presence of God. We need to know what he says. We need to believe in resurrection, bringing life from the dead. We need to believe in creation, that he is the God who brings something from nothing. We need to embrace hopeless situations, because we're going to get them. We need to, I've lost it now, where am I? Not pie in the sky, number six, and faith grows when we give glory to God. As we grow in our faith, this is my finishing off. We will look away from ourselves. And I find that. Kenneth's got a very grumpy message from me on Friday. I don't know. I can't think I'm tired. Had a horrible week. That was a message. I was looking at Lainey. Poor Lainey. Shame. <laughs> Stop being so navel-gazing. But as we grow in faith, we start looking out of ourselves out of ourselves, to God and how faithful he is. Circumstances don't change, but our, our looking does. Who our gaze is upon. And that problem doesn't miraculously vaporize, but we can face it with faith. We can face it with our God. And as we grow in faith, we discover more and more how faithful he is. When you step into faith, he gets more faithful. It's quite incredible. We, go, we become more mature. We will experience God more. Don't you want to experience God more? Faith, grow in our faith. We become more useful. I want to be used by God. Grow in our faith. And we, we start praising God, and we're just going to praise him. That, that verse 8, how did you just, now when I've said all of this, think about it, what it says in, in 1 Peter. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And hear this, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. We will make a difference in a very sore, chaotic world because we are filled with inexpressible joy. I want what you've got. Ah, I can tell you where you get it. May God convict each one of us today. Let's spur one another on. Let's believe in one another. Let's stir up faith. I'm going to finish in prayer. Thank you, Lainey. Let's do that. Let's just bow our heads and we finish off this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've spoken of throughout this day. 
And Lord God, it is a privilege for us, Lord, to, to have a faith in a God that is so good, so loving, and who is in control of all things. Thank you that you are Lord and always will be Lord of all things, all things. And we can have faith in you, Father. Total faith in a God who cares and loves us and has plans for us and rejoices over us because we are his children. So, Lord God, I pray you would bless us as we go on to this day. And may what we have heard today and experienced and sung and what you've spoken to us, Lord God, may we put into action. We thank you for your goodness and your lordship in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful week. It was good to be together. Sorry, just one thing. Um, as Glennon said last week, there's nothing holy up here. <laughs> there's nothing holier about us, but there's great merit in stepping up in faith and saying, humbling ourselves and saying, I need help. You don't have to tell us if you just say, pray for me. We would love to pray for you.